Well, again, glad to have you here with us tonight for worship. Uh, it's a warm day outside, but I'm hoping to bring a little heat tonight. hope that's okay. Uh, we're going to dive right in. If you actually want to grab a Bible that's in front of you in one of your pews, it's one of the red Bibles. Uh, we're going to open up to this passage if you would like. Uh, otherwise, the words will be up on the screen. And we're just going to kind of walk through this passage together in Luke chapter 6. Uh, the page is 837 in the red Bibles that we have there. 837. And so what we're uh, doing right now is we're in a series that we're calling the Master Gardener. Uh, what we know here as people in North Dakota, Minnesota area, is that we have this very much appreciation, this value of, of farming, of agriculture. And uh, one of the things we recognize is that often when Jesus would speak in parables and be unveiling these secrets of the kingdom of heaven, one of the things that would uh, be made evident was that he would use this kind of agriculture farming language, uh, something that many people around him in his day could really understand to unveil these kingdom truths. And so that's what we're going to look at tonight is this text in Luke chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be down in verse 43 through 45. It's that little heading that says, a tree and its fruit. Uh, this is Luke's account of the Sermon on the Mount. If you know anything about the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount was the greatest sermon ever preached. And it was Jesus just unveiling, just telling it how it is, all of these different truths about the kingdom of heaven. And this was very much lying out these very much. It was uh, very much foundational truths about the kingdom. It was so foundational you couldn't add anything to it. You couldn't take any way, anything away from it. I heard it said this way before that when you consider the technological advances that have taken place in our culture over the last 10, 20 years, it's just astounding to see how far we've come to this point. Anyone remember dial-up? Man, me neither, you know? Like, we see exactly where we're at. Uh, it's so much so that in 10 years from now, we have absolutely no idea almost what the world will look like. We just see technology advancing over and over, and yet, at the same time, no one has improved on the basic moral teaching of Jesus Christ in over 2,000 years. He spoke the very words you'd expect God himself to speak. No one spoke like this man. And so my hope for us tonight is that as we dive into this passage, that we would see the importance of Jesus' words here tonight. I truly believe any passage opened up in the Bible and preached from is important, but there's something so foundational in tonight's passage that I think you and I must understand and be bought into if we're going to call ourselves Christians in today's day and age. Jesus just lies it out. He just says it as it is. He calls a spade a spade. And so we're going to look at this together tonight, and it's my hope and prayer that as we do that, we can look at our own inward hearts and just see, like, where are we at? How are we personally responding to these words of Jesus? And that hopefully can lead us to a place of conviction of our sin, confession of our sin, repentance of our sin, and wholehearted trust in Jesus Christ as both Savior and Lord. So let's look at this passage together. Jesus is talking to all those around him. It's his disciples, those in Judea and Jerusalem and other surrounding areas. And we get to verse 43, and this is what he says. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. 
for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so very important words from Jesus. We're just going to kind of pick it apart together and see what it is that he's trying to say to us tonight. Verse 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Beginning of verse 44, each tree is recognized by its own fruit. So I want to make a couple inferences just in reading uh, this verse and a half here. That Jesus uh, distinguishes two very different types of trees that bear two very different types of fruit. According to Jesus, not all trees are bad. Meaning that some trees are good. At the same time, not all trees are good. Meaning that there are some trees that are bad. The second inference I want to make is that you can tell the quality of the tree by the fruit that it produces. The tree determines the fruit. It's not the other way around. The fruit really doesn't determine anything, but is more of a reflection of the quality of the tree that you have. If the tree is good internally, you will be able to tell by the goodness of the fruit externally. Or if the tree is rotten internally, you will be able to tell by the rottenness of the fruit or the lack of fruit altogether externally. Growing up, my dad and I, uh, took me one afternoon to go and do some chores with him, and so uh, we went out uh, past our lake cabin and went to do a couple things, and uh, we came across this tree that was for sale. It was an apple tree. If you know anything about summer, it's more fun to grow your own apples and not have to go to the store. Uh, so we decided, hey, you know what? We're going to pick up this apple tree. We'll go and we'll make it our own, and we'll have fresh apples for years and years to come. So we picked one out, uh, took it back to the cabin, and planted it in the most opportune time. It was perfect. Uh, we'd get an sunlight. It had protection uh, against wind from buildings and against uh, with trees around it. Uh, it was a perfect spot for uh, water to come in. And so we planted it. Year one came, no fruit. Year two came, no fruit. Year three came, no fruit. And we're beginning to ask ourselves, man, what is going on? Why aren't we seeing any apples? And it was about year four, one day we came out to the lake and uh, we walked by and something caught the side of our eye and we looked down and we saw about an apple the size of just, you know, a little over a golf ball, whatever it is, very small. The one apple that this tree had ever produced and it had a little bit of a bite taken out of it and it was just lying there and we're like, what in the world is this? And what we found out is that one of the construction workers who had been working on our house on the roof had taken the only tree that this fruit had ever, or the only fruit that this tree had ever produced, took a bite out of it, recognized he didn't like it, and threw it on the ground, and we're like, come on, Mike, this is the worst thing in the world. But you got to recognize something here. The fruit was a reflection of the tree. The tree finally did produce fruit. It was fruit all right, but it was not good fruit. So ungood fruit, uh, as to say, is that even this construction worker probably would have wished that he wouldn't have taken a bite out of it altogether because clearly he didn't like it, so he threw it on the ground. It would have been better not to have anything than to actually have something that wasn't good. So what is Jesus talking about when he's talking about all this kind of fruit? Well, let's keep going. Second half of verse 44. He says, People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. What do we know about thorn bushes? They produce thorns, right? Uh, not a trick question. Uh, they don't produce figs. In the same way, what do we know about a briar? It produces all kinds of beautiful flowers, beautiful fruits, but it does not produce grapes. 
Every kind of bush, every kind of tree produces a kind of fruit of its own kind, and you can tell the goodness of the fruit by the goodness of the tree. So where's Jesus getting at with all of this? Look at verse 45. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. So Jesus goes from talking about plants and bushes and trees and fruit to straight talk about human beings and the state of their heart. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. How do you know if someone is good? Jesus said, goodness flows from his heart. But then he turns around and says, evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. How do you know if someone is evil? Jesus says, evil flows from their heart. And then Jesus closes out this passage by saying, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. In the second little phrase, we see two parts of the human body. We see the heart and we see the mouth. One of these flows from the other. Just as we know the quality of the tree by the quality of the fruit that proceeds from the tree, in that same way we know the quality of someone's heart by the fruit that displays and proceeds from their life. Think about it this way. We know the quality of someone's life and someone's heart by the words that they speak out. And we know the quality of someone's heart by the actions that they carry out. Think about this with me, that same verse, Proverbs 27, 19, just as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So here is the million dollar question for us to answer tonight, just to cut straight to it. Are you a good tree? Or are you a bad tree? Jesus doesn't talk about some third tree that is a little bit good, a little bit bad. It's got a little good and it's got a little bit of both, but he distinguishes two very distinct types of trees that bear two very distinct types of fruit. And so as we ask this question just objectively here this evening, am I a good tree, am I a bad tree? As I was reflecting on this question, I started asking, well, how am I supposed to tell? How am I supposed to know if I'm a good tree? How am I supposed to know if I'm a bad tree? And just as you can tell the goodness of a tree by the fruit that it produces, we are able to tell the goodness of our heart by the fruit that is produced from our lives. And so I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5 with me here tonight. Uh, You can open up to it or we're just going to have it up on the screen. And what you're going to get a chance to see is uh, the Apostle Paul lies out something for us that is known as the fruit of the Spirit. You've likely heard of this before. But so often uh, when we think of the fruit of the Spirit, we kind of omit the few verses that precede this passage, which is uh, known commonly as the acts of the flesh. And so very tangibly what Paul is saying is, hey, here's the fruit of a good tree, but at the same time, here's the fruit of a bad tree. So let's look at the acts of the flesh together. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
I want to ask you tonight, as you hear these words from Paul, what is your initial reaction? What's happening in in your heart? Are you feeling like, oh man, I, I wish that item wasn't up on the list? Ah, something just doesn't seem right, or oh, I do that thing on the list, but I don't do it that bad. I'm not as bad as certain people. Where are you at when Paul is lying this out? Because Paul just lies out. He said, those who do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is just something that he's making very evident. Who is it? It's those who indwell themselves in any sexual activity other than in the context of a marriage between a man and a woman. Who is it? It is those who worship idols with their heart, who put anything or anyone else before God. And it's those who play around with the power and false deity of other people or false gods with a small g. It's those who engage in practices that negatively alter their mind. Those who hate others, who seek to separate and divide the body of Christ Those who compare themselves constantly to other people and indulge themselves in jealousy, anger, and envy. It's those who engage in drunkenness, wild sexual behaviors, and anything similar. Paul says this is the fruit of a bad tree. But I want to be full, uh, just full honest here this evening as I'm looking at this here tonight I want to be honest, and I'm looking at some of these items on the list, and I think, man, sometimes I've done some of these things. I've carried hatred in my heart. I've carried envy in my heart. I've had anger towards somebody in my heart. What does that mean? And what we hear that Paul is saying is not that Christians never do these things, but what he's saying is that Christians do not joyfully submerge themselves in these things. Man, listen, as Christians, we still sin. But here's the difference. We've been saved, yes, from the power and the penalty of our sin. But we've also been saved from the practice of our sin. It's not that we're sinless, but it's the closer that we get to Jesus Christ, we begin to sin less. And the more that we do sin, the the more that we recognize that we're sinning, the less that we enjoy our sin because we've been given a new heart. And so how do I know if I'm a good tree? How do I know if I'm a bad tree? Ask yourself this question. Do I joyfully enjoy my sin? Or do I feel convicted of my sin? Is my heart, is my conscience just seared where, man, nothing can get past me. It doesn't matter what I do. I'm not gonna do anything that's displeasing to God. I'm just gonna do my own thing. Or do you feel like sometimes when you sin, you're just like, oh, I know I shouldn't have done that. Why did I do that? Man, I gotta try to do better. Man, that's what we hear. It's not that we're perfect, and it's not that we're doing everything right, but it's that we are blatantly in, uh, we under, understanding that we fall short. Sometimes I've heard the question, man, like, how can I be a Christian? I'm so aware of my sin. That's what makes us a Christian. Not that we're without sin, but that is I am fully aware of my sin, and I know that's what's separating me from God, and I need a new heart. And Jesus Christ has come to give us that new heart. If we do not have conviction of our sin, it is almost impossible to be a Christian. Conviction leads to outward confession. Outward confession with our mouth leads to repentance with our lives. Repentance with our lives leads to a full-on trust in Jesus Christ as Lord 
When we fully trust Jesus Christ as Lord, we will be forgiven of our sin and have entrance into the eternal kingdom. And when we are forgiven of our sin and have entrance into the eternal kingdom, we will be made into the likeness of Jesus. We will be conformed into his image. This is the the power that he has and this is the the, uh, desire that he has given us too. Not that we are just saved so that we can be in heaven. Yes, that is a huge part of it, but also so that we can be conformed into the image of Jesus. So that we can look more like Jesus, think more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, belong more like Jesus, just to be more like him, be conformed to his image. And what does it look like to be conformed to his image? Well, that's where Paul begins to go as he continues these verses into the fruit of the Spirit. He said, this is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, that's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He says, against these things, there is no law. This is what it looks like to mirror Jesus Christ to the world around us. Christianity is not just self-help, but it is Christ's help. The message is not just, you got to do more, you're failing, so you have to try to be more patient, you have to try to be more kind. But what the message is of Christianity is recognizing, hey, I'm actually not all that patient, I'm actually not all that kind, and I need a new heart from the Holy Spirit. I need Jesus to renew me completely, and in so doing, to make me more loving, make me more patient, make me more kind, to live within me so that everything I do overflows from this good heart that he has given me by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it begins with a new heart. And so I wanna ask you here this evening, if you're here, and you feel like your profession of your faith with your mouth does not match your possession of faith in your heart. Or maybe you're here tonight and you're recognizing, man, I haven't actually fully surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I haven't actually received his forgiveness of sins and his newness of life, have this grace wash over me. I've just been kind of playing this church game. I've just been kind of trying to be a good person and trying to be a Christian and doing all these different things. If that's where you're at, man, may tonight be the night for you to just come to the end of yourself and receive abundant life through Jesus. Here's the reality. Romans 3.23 says that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none of us who is righteous in God's eyes in our own power. Go over to Romans 6, 23. Not only is it all of us who have fallen short, but it says the wages of our sin is death, meaning that all of us are deserving of God's wrath, is judgment, death for our sin. But then you continue to read and he says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus Christ came that we may have Life, He said, that which is born of the flesh, that's flesh. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And so if you're here tonight just saying, man, I need this relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe your relationship with Jesus has grown cold over the years and you wanna re-kick it off, man, may tonight be a night where you can just come before him and say, man, I'm no longer gonna live for this world. I've been lustful. I've been arrogant, I've been prideful, I've been selfish, I've been envious, but no more. For I'm done placing my hope and my trust and my faith in all these empty promises that this life will bring that ultimately lead to destruction. 
But tonight I am making the active decision to place my faith in Jesus Christ who has promised that by his body broken, by his blood shed for us on the cross, we can be forgiven of every sin that you've ever committed, no matter how big, no matter how small, it doesn't matter. His grace is greater, is greater and is bigger than even the biggest sin that we've ever committed in our life and has the power to make us a good tree that produces much good fruit. But it all starts with a new heart. So may that be the proclamation, may that be the hope that we can say no to everything in this life and come to Jesus Christ with wholehearted faith and confession tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we are forgiven. That in Jesus Christ we have abundant life, life eternal that begins today does not just begin in eternity, but it begins right now that changes us not just from bad to good, but makes us from dead to life. So Lord, I pray that you would do that saving work in us tonight, that you would remind us that we are yours. And I pray, Lord, that if there's any sin that is stirring around in our heart tonight, that we would come before each other, come before you with that sin and confess that to each other tonight so that we could be forgiven and made right with you. We ask this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.